This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This is episode number 55. Episode 55 features Sipemo Motswiri, a brilliant, uh, brilliant South African playwright, actor, and director. Um, I've known him for almost 20 years. I was part of a uh, youthful at the time theater group out of Seattle that went into the collaboration with this youthful theater group in Johannesburg and Soweto, South Africa. Um, we were over there doing a play specifically for the UN World Conference Against Racism. Um, and that was this group I was involved with for a long time called Tribes Project, which started in high school back in Seattle. A um, number of different high schools it would go to every year. Did an original show on race in America. And then, <clears throat> excuse me. And then we went over and did this collaboration um, as part of the UN World Conference Against Racism. And I actually flew back September 9th, 2001. So it was two days before 9-11. And yeah, everything changed in the world. Uh, But anyway, um, it was great to reconnect with Sipemo. Back when I knew him, he went by Alex. And we talked about that. But I'm glad he's going by his African name. And uh, the group that he is now involved with, which is some of the guys that were in the group back when we were over there. Um, they're now African tree productions. And Sipemo was here in town for United solo festival doing his one man show, um, called be a better dog. Um, he was the performer for that. Um, and I got to see that it was a great, excellent show. Um, got a really good review and, yeah, I just had a great time talking with him. Um, some of my favorite actors have been South Africans. I've been witness to some very powerful theatrical works there. Um, and I look forward to hopefully collaborating and, you know, after reconnecting with him and some of my friends over there in the future. Uh, without further ado, I hope your Thanksgiving was good. Um, I hope you didn't I hope you didn't get involved with the Black Friday madness. I hope you didn't get hurt. I hope you didn't hurt anybody else. Um, and yeah, without further ado, this is Sipemo Motswiri. Let's have a conversation. Are you cool hearing everything like that? I'm cool, my friend. I'm cool. Well, it's good to see you, my brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alex, man. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Man. Alex is how I knew you originally back in the day. Yes. So why don't you say your name for everybody listening right now? Sipemo. Sipemo. Yes. Motswiri, or what's your last name? Motswiri. Motswiri. Yes. Sipemo Motswiri. Yes. And you were traveling with Ikoban. Ikobe Mwachudi. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, so let's jump right into that actually. Um just when I knew you, we talked about it a little bit, but I didn't get the full story on where you, did you just go by Alex with um, our group, like Tribes Project, because you thought it would be easier, or were you going by Alex more back then in general? Come again? Like, were you going by Sipemo 
like in general back then, or were you going by Alex more? No, back, back then, uh, <laughs> back then, um, uh, you know, I uh, still believed in having a white name, mm-hmm. but at the moment, as a black person, I feel like we need to have our own names, like use our real names. There is no need for, like, if you look at a Chinese guy, you don't find a Chinese guy called David or Simon. If they are Ching Chong Ching, is Ching Chong Ching or Ching Chong Yong, and you find a, a, a Muslim guy is Muhammad uh, Abu Driga, there's no Muhammad David Abu Driga. Then I decided, okay, let me also stick to my real name. Yes, I know, like, uh, Alexander, Alex, the full name is Alexander. I got the name in a church, like, it's used to be called a Christian name at the church. When you you have been baptized, you had to have a white name and all that. For And they call that um, Christian names. Yeah. Yes. Nice. <laughs> um, I, uh... You know, I don't have any other name. And that's like the thing, the struggle in the U.S. of like the African-American experience, the black experience Mm -hmm. is, uh, yeah, knowing that these names came, like that we had other names before. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, most of us don't know where we they even come lo- from. Like they even lost their surnames. Lost in translation, yeah. lost in transaction, transference, you know, yes. transit. Lost in transit, lost in the mm. transatlantic slave trade, you know. Um, and then the the legacy of the U.S., um, you know, experience, the black experience. Worldwide, though. Like, so it's interesting. It's interesting... Um, just seeing the parallels between the black experience in the U.S., the black experience in Africa, um, and that even though, you know, we were separated by an ocean, like this, like it's like the a similar struggle was happening and is happening worldwide. Um, but yeah, but I think it's very good um, to to redefine and embrace. Like who who we are, who you know? Really yeah. are. Yes. Um. Mm. So you know, but also a name is a name. Let's talk about who you are, and while why you're here specifically right now. Yes. Uh, right now, I came here to be part of United Solo Festival. It's a festival for one man theater performances. So I brought a show called. Um, be a better dog. Be a better dog. It's a one-man show. It's a story about a dog. I play ten characters in the play, and including the dog. Yes. So. And including a couple other dogs too. Yes. Yes. The father, the mother. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then, largely, uh, the different owners of the dog. Yes. Um, and then the the other people that the owners maybe came in contact with yes. without giving away too many spoilers. Uh, yeah. But man, that was a good, good, heavy, solid piece done very well. Thank you, man. Um, Thank you. And I know that you were here for doing that, but you've been doing that. You've done that piece some other places too, right? Yes. I've, um, I've done it uh, back home. There's one of the 
The biggest theater festival is called uh, Gramstown Arts Festival. I performed it there and I also performed it at um, uh, Olive Tree, is a theater back home. I also performed at Vids. Vids also, they have a program like United Solo where it's a festival of one-man shows. And this year I also performed at uh, Soweto Theater. And also at um, Pop Art Theater, yes. And before coming here, I had um, a performance for drama students at a state theater. So it was more like a, a, a performance lecture where you perform and you reflect and unpack the performance, unpack the play with the, the students who are studying drama. Yes. Nice. Um, and so tell me about uh, kind of your background in theater um like where where did that start for you yeah uh, <laughs> it's interesting that um you know where i started when i started uh i got to meet you at a very very early ages of uh, when i started doing theater but when i met you i thought you were you you'd already you had some chops already when i met you Yes, but I was still at, remember I was at drama college at uh, FUBA is, uh, FUBA stands for Federated Union of Black Artists, because during apartheid back home, uh, black artists were not allowed to work with white artists. So uh, they started a, a union called, um, that represented black artists, and it was called a Federated Union of Black Artists, which later became a drama school. Okay. Yes. In fact, it was an art college because they had music department, they had drama department, they had uh, dance, they were doing all art forms with there, even visual art. Yes. And so you were in the middle of that, like when we met? Yes. Okay. And then after that, um, after graduating, I went into TV. Then my love for theater came back and I started directing. I directed a show titled The System Which Taught the World. It was um, international. It's an internationally acclaimed show because it went to countries like Scotland, Vanuatu, Zimbabwe, and it won awards and it also received uh, five star reviews reviews at um, Edinburgh Arts Festival in Scotland. That there is that 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 was a very successful show. Yes. And I directed shows like um also uh, A Gift from God written by Kosana Tekwana because the system also was also uh, written by Kosana Tekwana. It was like um, the concept came from the cast, more like workshopped, and then Kosana came and wrote the script. And uh, I had to do one-man show, which was something I always wanted to do. I had always had fear of doing one-man show. You know, when you are alone on stage, there is nowhere to hide. All eyes are on you. So I was shooting a film with the the writer of um, Be a Better Dog. His name is um, Cuba Ikaneng. 
And while we were shooting the film, I was like, I like your performance. I'd like to write something for you. I have a concept, a one-man play. I'm like, let, 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 let me hear what you have. And he, he came with this brilliant concept of a dog. And like we started like brainstorming and uh, throwing around ideas. And then from there, he went and wrote the script. So the script was written specifically for me. That's according to him. Yes, so it was an honor for me. It's an honor for me to have someone writing something specifically for me to say, before you even start writing, I want to write this and I want you to be the actor in that. Yes. Weaving in uh, the Hosanna that you were mentioning earlier, who wrote, who you collaborate a lot and he writes a lot. That's the Hosanna I know as yes. well, of course. Yes. Um, but uh, what I didn't, uh, what I haven't caught up with you, um, do you write as well? Yes, I've, um, I write as well. Okay, uh, at African Tree, the organization that I'm part of, we also do educational theater programs where we use theater as an educational tool uh, to change the mindset and also educate people to challenge the stereotype. So usually I choose to write those plays because I communicate with the people who want certain message to be communicated, so I would write. But in theater mostly, um, I don't like directing what I've written. Mm-hmm. I like directing what, what, what somebody else is, Yes, and uh, write something and it gets directed by somewhere, by someone else. So I wrote a play called um, A Little Voice from the Grave. And it was directed by Vice Mutsabi, one of the successful directors back home in South Africa. And I also wrote, a play, I co-wrote that one. It's called, um, um, uh, uh, the title of the place, Living Me, let me remember. I co-wrote it uh, with Lebucha uh, More, the name of the place. Um, uh, it's about animals. It's about animals. Let me remember the title of the play. I first wrote Little Voice from the Grave. Then we we wrote Animal Party. Anim- no, no horns, no party. It's a, it's, it's a story about animals. But also, if you look at the story, you'll realize that it's also tell it's also telling you the story about human beings, where we live, what is happening. But we're using animals to tell that story. Yes. Nice. So that's a similar connection to like uh, be a better dog. Yes. Also, it's like yes, yes, definitely about a dog, but also definitely about a lot more. Yes. Than that yes. about what's going on. Yes. And I know it's specifically about what's going on in South Africa and like the South African experience. But I always find what's interesting about um, specific stories is that usually. To me, it's like a universally understood. Like we were talking about this earlier, just um, the story of South Africa apartheid, the story of slavery here, um, the story of patriarchy. Mm -hmm. Um, These, you know, um, so this has to do with like the oppression of like specific groups of people on the one hand, but on the larger like universal aspect it has to do with the oppression and suppression of humanity 
like True. the diminishing of humanity. True. Like that's the that's the great tragedy of it. I think is that these social ills they hurt everybody. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. hurt specific groups, but they diminish our entire humanity. You yes. know uh, what I like about that play, uh, "Be a Better Dog," is that um, the themes, the theme in the play, is an universal theme. Mm-hmm. It's a story that can happen anywhere. So uh, even when I framed it before coming here, I was like, "I'm going to push it to be more universal in a way that wherever it goes in the world." Um, people can relate to the story. They, they don't just say this is a South African story, but they feel like, yes, this story is something that is happening where I'm staying. Uh, that is, the, that's why it's a story that uh, even after performing here, I was talking to Suzanne, and she went straight to some of the discriminations that she experienced in her, in her life because of that story. And she's an American, and that's what exactly what I wanted to achieve. Yeah. To say um, uh, it's not only uh, uh, boxed to say this is a story that is happening in South Africa. It should be a universal story that everyone from any part of the uh, the world can relate with that story. Yeah. Yes. I definitely think so. Um, so... So let's look ahead a little bit. Um, so you've done that. What's what do you have like on your plate when you get back? Um, you're flying actually in a few hours. Yes. Um, I'm glad we got to sit down and talk. I mean, we've we've had some time over the last what 48 hours, 72 hours to like catch up. I'm glad I got to, you know I wasn't gonna miss your play. So yes. that was like priority number one. And thanks for coming, man. Of course, brother. <laughs> thanks for um, the support. But. Uh, what 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 do you have next like what do you want to do next yeah what do you kind of have planned next and then like what do you what do you want to do next uh, my wish going back home especially uh, regarding the play be a better dog was uh, it, it was going to be great for me to go home and immediately start performing it because it comes from an international stage but already before coming here, I already started uh, directing a show with my students at Subiko Art Center, which is a big production that we are putting, putting together that is going to perform on the, 9th, on the 8th and the 9th of December. So going back home, I really have to focus on that show. It is already end of the year, so I'm thinking uh, I'll be concentrating on be a better dog for next year. From the beginning of the from next year, I'll see where to take it. My hope is to take it to state theater in Johannesburg, but also to see where else I can take it around um, the world. Because for me, the sky is the limit for me. I don't want to limit my work to South Africa. I want the world to see what I can create. Yes, and there is a possibility that. It might go to Zimbabwe by December or next year. Before coming here, I had already started like um, uh, talking to some people in Zimbabwe about bringing the show. Actually, they saw I was advertising it uh, coming here. Like, 
maybe when you come back we should take you bring it to zimbabwe then the the conversation started from there to say yes let's see what we do when i come back yeah yeah um and i guess beyond that like kind of you wear many hats um do you prefer do you prefer one or the other or do you just love them all like acting directing producing you're kind of a producer too right yes 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 um sometimes um it's important to share roles and divide roles amongst people because when you have a lot to do it becomes more challenging but i've learned one thing if i don't have someone to do something probably because of uh, there is no funding i'll do it mm-hmm. so that is the most um uh, uh, important thing for me to say if i don't have funding right now to for someone to go and look for funding to go on an international tour i'll go and search for money myself still being the actor i'll do that do it yeah. yes so it's there is that thing of saying yes at the moment i don't have one two three so i don't have manpower but i'm able to go and do this and make it happen when i decided that i'm gonna go to you as some people th- thought no you are playing you're not gonna go there and it happened nice yes so um i wouldn't say um in terms of his um acting and directing uh, when i was at drama college uh i'm yet in acting i thought i was going to be uh the great actor of course i succeeded as an actor but my first award came as a directing award for directing a play so I realized that like most of the plays that I directed they received awards there and there. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Um How did uh so tell me a little bit about African Tree Productions. Was that was that a company like when I met you or did this form after I met you or kind of what what's the story of African Tree Productions? Yeah, African Tree came later after we met. Uh, actually, it's a, it's an organization that started in 2008. Yes, uh, we started it in 2008. And it was mainly to uh, bring young people from community, from my community together. We would come together and create at work and see what to do and also helping them to move away from the streets and we created a show titled the system which was an international athletic show and with those boys young boys uh, we ended up in scotland vanuatu ireland touring the world so uh, when we started we started on a very small scale but uh, we surprised ourselves also hard work and making sure that we push more we ended up achieving more than we thought we were going to achieve isn't it amazing what you can do when you decide to do something like you don't know where things are going to go but when you just do it like kind of what you were saying about um 
like with acting slash directing, it's like if nobody else is going to do it, then I'm just going to do it anyway. Um, and it's not that everything's easy. It's not that there's no bumps along the road. There's no hurdles. But it's like when you do things, when you go somewhere, you go somewhere. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, and you definitely get go further by deciding to go somewhere than thinking about like where you can't go, you know, just saying I'm going to go and doing it, taking the steps, like you will surprise yourself, you know? Mm, just uh, yesterday, I had a conversation with someone about uh, the importance of art in this world mm -hmm. and how our leaders don't take art that serious. And if only they can have a better understanding of what art is able to do, they would ref respect art and give it a preference. For instance, I always say to people, uh, as artists, we are doctors. We are teachers. We are um, social workers because we are able to heal the nation through the art. We are able to use art forms to educate we are able to use our theater work or our um, um, visual art work as, a, as an educational tool. So we are able to do many things through the art. But the challenge is when the leadership is not res respecting the craft, where we end up having artists, very brilliant artists, who go nowhere because of they don't have uh, maybe the financial backing. Also, you know, the world we live in, sometimes I've realized that some of the things happen because of you know so-and-so. So as an artist, I've never known so-and-so, so-and-so, so I always have to stand up and do things for myself. If I say I'm going to take a show to, to Egypt and people say, no, it won't happen. If I want it to happen, it will happen. Yeah. Yes. Um, I also, you struck me when you said that sometimes our leaders don't understand the power of art, but I would also say that there are a lot of people in leadership positions all over the world who aren't necessarily leaders, True. meaning there are people in positions True. of power, um, who are not necessarily leaders, you know, and that when that's the case, when you have people in power who aren't real leaders, um, then they become oppressors. Mm. Um, and then the job of the artist becomes, which I think it always is, no matter like whether it's legitimate leaders or oppressive leaders, um, no matter who's in power, I, I believe the role of the artist is always to speak truth to power. True. Um, and like you said, that's, that's who we are. That's, we are the doctors. And, We're the, mm -hmm. and that is sort of to cut you. That is one of the important things in terms of being an artist, because when you are an artist, you are able to use your art to challenge the status quo. Yes. Which is something that is hard to do for many people. And also what is important with art is that you need to be independent as an artist. 
uh, there are people that I call political artists. Once as an artist, you want to affiliate yourself with a certain political party, you end up being used as the mouthpiece of that political party. You end up being used as the mouthpiece of that political party because now they finance you and they police they police each and every work that you create and then you are not even able to challenge them. Yeah. And then you find yourself in a position where I'm not able to bite the hand that fits me. Yeah. But I always say to artists, try to be as independent as possible as you can be because then you'll be able to tell the truth whenever you feel like telling the truth. Yeah. That's why I feel like artists need to be neutral. If you need to address, to address, uh, um, because theater also can be used, can be used to address um, oppressions that we see around us. The oppression of women, the oppression of uh, one race of the other, the uh, the oppression of one tribe over the other. They, like there are so many oppressions that we live under that we can use art to address that. But how do you address that when you are being controlled somewhere? Yeah. It becomes a challenge. So you are no longer an artist for me. You are a politician, so I call them uh, political artists. Yeah. Yes. Um, and that's why, like, I didn't fully under, but I've understood it more and more. But uh, in Jamaica, Bob Marley, there was two political parties during Bob Marley's time. One was more conservative and one was more, like, for the people. Um, and there was, like, a huge uh, kind of armed, like, kind of violent campaign that was happening. And both parties wanted the Bob Marley endorsement and he kind of refused to take either. And it's not cause that's what it comes down to. It's like, it's not about sides mm. like it, you know what I mean? Like there's two major parties in this country, the Democrats and the Republicans. Um, and in general, yeah, like I'm more aligned with the Democrats in a way, but I'm also, um, very unhappy with a lot of what they do too. And it's also, it's not about the Democrat or the Republican. It's about, um, policies. It's about the people. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't care who it is. And, and it's like, I, I would rather, um, if it's a Democrat that I really believe in, cool. But I would also love some new parties in there. Like why, why just these two parties? This is a stupid, antiquated, um, mm -hmm oppressive system really like if you think about it if you only have two choices that will lead to corruption on both sides both sides playing the middle <laughs> against each other you know what i mean it's a, true, it's true, silly true, true. like if you step back from it it's a and everybody knows it but then it's like no but you still like it gets to this debate where when you criticize the side that you're supposed to be aligned with and be like you can't do that you know because the other side's winning and it's like well we should be able to speak the truth mm. <laughs> and the truth might be bigger than this side versus that side it might be like we need to do better mm. as people you know you can be in a house and when there is something that is wrong in the house you must be able to say 
something is wrong here. Yes. So you cannot just sit inside a burning house and because of now that house, you belong to that house, you let it burn because of you don't want people to say you are criticizing where you are. Because in most cases as people, as humans, we have got these things of this thing of uh, pointing fingers. And when you point fingers out, there are three fingers pointing at you. So we, the, the world would be a better place if we, as humans, we were self-reflective. Yeah. Also be able to reflect on what is happening around us and also accept reality. And also be responsible for our actions. If you put a wrong leader on the leadership position because of maybe the policies fascinated you or maybe the campaign was so close to your heart, but you realize later, wow, we put a wrong person on that position. What do you do? You need to accept. You cannot just keep saying, no, he's right, even when he's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, man, um, is there anything else you want to talk about right now? Yes, what I want to talk about is the, um, the making of Be a Better Dog. Uh, the story is very close to my heart because it's the story of a dog. It's, um, it's a story about... The world we live in through the eyes of a dog. So if dogs were to speak, what would happen? Because we live with dogs and it is said that dogs are... Uh, a dog is a man's best friend. So if a dog is a man's best friend, what is it that our dogs know about us? So because of... In our minds, dogs cannot say anything. So we do a lot of stuff in front of them. So in Be a Better Dog, the story is all about the dog speaking out to say, this is what I've experienced. This is what I see. This is what I think about you as humans. But what fascinates me at this with the story is that being able to tell people the truth about themselves but you are a dog. You are a dog. Because at the moment, as a black man, if you go to a white man and say, you are racist, you are wrong. If you go to your black brother and say, stop being xenophobic to your other black brothers, you are wrong. If you are a white person, you say to another white person, no, you cannot uh, undermine this one because of he's Irish and you are English. We are all humans. You are wrong. People always find excuses to shift the blame, not accept the wrong that is happening around them or the wrongs that they have taken part in. But in the story, we use the dog to tell us what we are, who we are. We get to see the life we live in, the world we live in through the eyes of a dog. One of my favorite uh, 
moments in the show, and there's a lot. Um, <laughs> I like the Snoop Dogg part. Um, but one of the most poignant parts to me was it's with the miners, and when he first meets, like, you know, Solomon. Yes. Yes. And, the, um, the last owner of the dog. Yes. And the miners are saying, we work like a dog. And the dog's like, well, how, you know, what do you mean you work like a dog? And mm. how is a dog supposed to be treated? Something like that, right? Yes. Um, mm. And that's a poignant line, I think, for, like, yeah, it's like through the eyes of a dog, but it's for, um, for people. Because we do this. Like, we think about the other person sometimes. You know what I mean? Sometimes you're envious of somebody who you think he has um, more or better than you. Or sometimes you're, like, you look down on somebody else. Like, you know what I mean? Like, people look and judge each other every day. Um, But, yeah, that question of, like, you know, like, kind of, like, this story, it's telling the story of a dog. But really puts you in the experience of a dog and like should we you know just how we treat animals but like how we treat each other like yes that experience you know what i mean because the dog goes through some stuff like which plenty of dogs do and some of it's just like the everyday thing and that's okay but why is it you know what i mean yeah and and that is a whatever the dog goes through is something that any other human being can go through yeah Exactly. There's a moment where the dog finds people who live under the bridge and it's like, wow, they are welcoming me. They are nice people. <laughs> they stay under the bridge. But how do you live under the bridge? Yeah. And then uh, it just crossed my mind. Um, we have a huge thing here where um, the prison population, and I've always felt this kind of inherently, but the, mm. we have a, like one of the hugest prison populations in the world in the U.S., um, and it's tied to slavery and people call it like modern day slavery, but yeah, we have all of these people incarcerated and to me, I've always had this thought that we have to like, um, one, I don't want to see so many people locked up, but two, how people are treated when they're locked up, like when you treat people like animals and like 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 abusing animals when you do that to people on a large scale which is what's kind of happening like in the prison industry because people are making money off of this too so people call it modern day slavery but when you do that to people what's to stop that from them doing that to you someday you know what i mean like so it's like you can't we have to tolerate each other as people, but we have to not tolerate us being inhumane to each other, you know? True. That's why also in the story of Be a Better Dog, there is a moment where the dog um, is also surprised about this man who the second owner, yeah. Wompit, who is very loving to this dog, but at the same time, 
he treats people of color differently. And the dog is like, oh, he treats them like that. Why? You're like this. But, okay, you're good to me, but why are you not good to them? You know what I'm saying? And it was also interesting um, because he, that character, and I've had a couple of conversations about this this week, but that character was reading the newspaper and was cursing out like black people that weren't even there. And so that whole idea of people like being racist and hateful to people that they don't even know or even interact with. Like, I'm sure that guy interacted with people, but probably that character is like an interesting character because that character probably isn't the one who's like um, overtly carrying out racist, like hate attacks in real life. Like he probably just kind of, you know kind of maybe keeps to himself a little bit but probably is somewhat polite in person but then at home it's just like ah fuck you you know blah 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 you're messing up but it's like all fear of the other it's not a real conflict but it's like a conflict in your head that then you know you care it's like underneath the surface and carries out fear of the unknown yeah fear of the unknown and also giving ourselves unnecessary pressure, which in the end we end up like, because you know, um, sometimes they say when you you forgive someone, you are also freeing yourself. Yeah. When you are able to free someone, you are also freeing your soul. But that's what we fail to do as humanity. We fail to free others. And when when, when you you hold on to bad or wrong stuff, you end up, you yourself being hurt. Yeah. You, there's so much damage happening inside of you. That's why the character of Umbiti ends up dying because of heart attack reading the newspaper. To him, it's like, hey, these people are coming to take everything, fear of the unknown. They are coming to take everything, so he stresses, and then he end up having uh, depression, and he dies. And the, the dog is left alone. Yeah. Yes. And the dog is left with the family who has always been wanting a baby, but could not have a baby, so they give the whole attention to the dog, and then surprisingly, they manage to conceive and. They throw the dog away. Yeah. yeah. So the the life of a dog is like a roller coaster ride of trying to find himself, ups and downs. And that also happens to many humans that we know. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, yeah, man, it was a beautiful piece. Um, I'm glad you were able to come out here. I'm glad we were able to connect, reconnect. Um, I hope and I intend to collaborate going forward. Uh, we gotta, we gotta make that happen. Yeah. Whatever, man. however that happens. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have any final thoughts or words? Yeah. Um, from here, what I can say that my brother is that. Um, we should keep telling our stories no matter how people receive them 
it's our responsibility as artists to continue telling stories that can shift the mindset uh, theater for change theater for um, education theater and education educational theater we don't only entertain our people but we also leave them with something that they can learn from which is the most important thing that we can be able to achieve as artists is to tell our stories but tell stories that um, even though some people can be uncomfortable when they hear the story that uh, moment of uncomfortability means there's a learning outcome happening at the same time because then when you are uncomfortable you are able to reflect why am i feeling this way so uh, yes we need to entertain yes we need to make our people laugh but at the same time we need to make sure them that with our stories we touch them and when we touch them the, the the change can happen theater for change theater for development yes sounds good brother i'm on board thank you for sitting down and talking with me and uh yeah man we'll wrap this up and We'll get get some rest and then get ready to fly home, man. Thank you, man. And Thank say you, hi man. to, you know, Kosana in particular, yeah. but, uh, you know, everybody else I know. I will do that. I will do that. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, man. So that was my conversation with Sipemo Motswiri. Um, in the show notes, I'll put the link to his review. It's a great review for that play. You can find the show notes for this episode and all other episodes at bushwickvarietyshow.com or in the show notes section on the website itself or on the podcast episode, whatever show, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find show notes on that. Why am I having such a hard time saying this? Like if you're watching it on or listening to it on Apple Podcasts, you can check it out on the like more info section. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, failing at saying it. Anyway, not important. Um, I'm really excited. Tonight I'm starting a new acting class uh, with Heidi Marshall. I've heard really great things about her film and TV acting class. Um, and I encourage you to uh, to do whatever it is that moves you. You know, whatever calls you. Take a class. Paint the picture do the art, write the words, just, you know, do something, try to do something every day if you can, um, and share it, share it with me, share it with the world. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll continue to listen. And if you like this episode and you like the other episodes, please subscribe, rate, review, and share. Um, and yeah, like, uh, remember, Remember with this holiday season, whatever you believe, uh, you know, like the the tradition we should focus on is just treating each other kind. Um, yeah, I'm not so good at making words right now, so I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. And I will talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.